are kind of frustrated and angry, and we really don't know what to do. Well, there's a circumstance in the Bible, something happened, where the exact same thing happened to them. They were living somewhere, and they got kicked out, and this is what happened. We're going to put it up on the screen. It's out of the book of Jeremiah. You can flip there if you want. Jeremiah is in the Old Testament. and I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but this is what I am going to say. I'm going to start at the very beginning. Because in the very beginning, there was a group of people that were in slavery. And imagine being a slave. That's just basically the worst. They were a slave. And God said something incredible. He said, hey, trust me. I'm going to take you guys out of slavery. And I'm going to give you guys freedom. And I'm going to give you a place to live. And it's going to be incredible. You're going to love this place. Well, they're living there. And some you know, crazy circumstances happen. And they're actually now living in exile, which you know, they were taken basically away from where they lived. And they had to live somewhere else. So imagine for a second. You're living in your room. Everything's going great in your room. You're having tons of fun. And then your brother, you know, for girls, if you have a brother or a sibling, you know, boys, you know, imagine your sister comes in and they're like, hey, I have news for you. You know the room that you've been living in, the room that you've been living in and kind of have it decorated the way you want and girls, you have flowery, you know, stuff on the walls and this comforter and everything's very clean. I don't know. I don't know what girls have in their rooms. Everything's very, I assume every room is very clean. Girls' rooms are clean, right? I have no idea. So yeah, all right. Well, imagine you have this clean room where, you know, it's just kind of the way you want. And your brother comes in and says, hey, you're not going to live in your room anymore. Uh, I'm going to live in your room now. You're going to go live in my room. And you go into your brother's room, if you have a brother or a sibling, and you walk in there, and it's covered in a layer of dirt. And maybe there's, you know, some pee in the corner. You know, it's whatever. It's a bathroom's too far. It's whatever. And, you know, there's a bunch of, like, empty, like, soda cans everywhere because they're burping at themselves in the mirror because that's what boys do. And it's just kind of gross and dirty. And you're looking around and you're like, why would I want to stay in this gross, dirty, like, pee corner room? I don't, I don't want that. That's gross. And you look at your parents like, Mom, Dad, why are, you making, why are you doing this? Why is this happening? Well, that's what happened with this group of people from Israel. They were enslaved. They got free. They're living in this awesome place. Then they come and they have to leave this awesome place and live in this new place that's just really not as great. And they turn to God and they're like, God, what's the deal? We want to live in an awesome place where everything's kind of the way we want. And like we want to live in a place where we're comfortable and that we've kind of designed things the way we want them to be. And now we're living in this terrible place. We hate being here. And God, what do you have to say about this? And this is what God says in response. He starts in the very, very beginning. He says this. And it's written down on your paper. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, hold on a second here. These people are listening to this. They're like, hold on. God, you're the one? You made this happen? You are the one who led us out of this awesome place we were living into this place that we're miserable? You let this happen? Like, you, well, I'm living in this place now. I'm so unhappy and nothing's the way I wanted and I'm miserable where I'm living. And God actually goes on to say in the book of Jeremiah, this is what he says. Go there, and I'm paraphrasing it, but it's all written down, so you can read this when you get home. Hey, build houses. Plant stuff. Eat the stuff you plant. You know, hey, have, have kids. Marry your kids off to other people, and then let them have more kids. And you know what? In the very last part, this is what he says. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you into exile. The peace and prosperity? Like, like God's saying, I want you to make sure everything's good in where you're living. I want you to pray for the people in the area you're living. I want you to be invested in a preferred, good, happy future for the people in the city in which you're forced to live. And they're looking and they're like, I don't think I want to do that. Like, I'm miserable where I'm living. I'm, I'm not happy where I'm living. So uh, here's the question for you. Where do you live? Where do you live? 
Now, some of you may, you know, kind of quickly answer like, oh, you know, I live in a house. It's going to be up here on the screen. It's your very first blank. Where do you live? And you might think, well, I live like in a house with my parents. Or, you know, I live, you know, you know, in an apartment. That's where I lived in an apartment for years. I live in an apartment now. Maybe your parents are divorced like my parents were divorced. And you kind of bounce between two homes, which is really tough. I've done that. And you're like, well, I kind of have this home over here. And I kind of have this home over here. But I want to make sure we're defining what I'm talking about when I say where you live. Now, the first one is obvious. You think of location. That's number one. Location where you live. You know, it's like the place you live, where you have your room, where you keep all your clothes. And you can think where you live and think only location. And you would be missing out big time. Because if you're honest with yourself, the location you live isn't the only place you live. You know, the, the next one I put school, and you guys can write that down, but you can also write down like three other things. You know, school, for me, you know, work is a place that I live a portion of my life. So, and I have an office here, and we do work stuff all the time. At school, you know, you have your locker. That's kind of like your little home away from home. You keep all your stuff in your locker, and you go from class to class. If you went to a school or go to a school like I went to a school, you have assigned seats. So when you come into the room, you know where you're sitting, and you have to stay there. And if you're really lucky, you get a you know, desk by the door, which is the best place to sit in a classroom, because then if something happens, like an explosion, or like a really bad smelling like gas related thing, whatever it may be, you can get out the door and save yourself quickly you know, before you get trampled by everybody else. If you are the unlucky one, you are the one who your little home away from home is like right next to the teacher's desk and you can't get away with anything, which is what happened to me. I couldn't get away with any of the trouble I wanted to and that's where my place was and I had all these little students sitting around me and we had all these little desk clusters. You spend a big portion of your life at school so if you have a locker at school, those people whose lockers are next to you, that's not changing. You're going to know those people. Uh, you know, my mom, she's, she's really sick right now. You know, and she's spending a lot of her time in the hospital right now, which is tough. And for her, that's like kind of her home away from home sometimes. Because she goes to the doctor and she's, you know, having, you know, tests done and she's meeting with doctors. And that is a space that is a big portion of her life. See, here's the thing. You live a portion of your life in different spots. Different spots. Some of it is at school. Some of those spots are there. It's the next slide. Uh, some of the spots are at school. Some of the portions of, uh, of your life, your living, they're, uh, they're, uh, some of them are at home. Maybe it's in different homes. Uh, some of the portion of your life you're living, like my mom, she's living a portion of her life uh, in doctors and, and meeting with doctors. And, but here's the thing. If you're living your life in multiple places, you might ask this question. Where do I really belong? See, because you know, maybe a portion of your life you're spending at school and a portion of your life you're spending at this place that you call home, or maybe your parents are divorced, you're living in separate places, so now you have those separate places, plus you have the school thing. And, and you might be calling and thinking to yourself, well, where in all of this do I really belong? Where do I really belong? What place is really mine? Where do I really find ownership? Where do I really find the place where I'm meant to be? And you might ask yourself that question and not really know the answer. Because you don't know the place that you belong. And you don't know the place that you should be. And when we start to think about loving where we live, what we're really thinking about is that we don't really love where we live. And then we kind of ask ourselves, well, why don't we love where we live? Why don't we love where we live? And part of the answer is because we don't really feel like those places are really ours. You know, they're just kind of places we're staying a little bit of time, 
and a little bit of time here. And, and these places that we live, they don't really belong to us. So we, how do we love where we live when maybe we're not sure where we belong and maybe we're not sure how we fit in and maybe we're not sure if these things, these places are really ours to begin with? You know, I think it starts with this. It starts with, you know, for me at least, having a little bit of sense of rejection when it comes to some of these places. Now, you might think, rejection, Justin, what are you talking about? You know, if you feel it at all, like, you know how it feels. To look at a place and be like, oh, I'm not really sure if I belong there. I don't know really, I'm not really sure if that place is a place for me. Maybe it's here at church and you come here at church every week and you're like, oh, this is my parents' church and they just forced me to be here. So I just sit around on my phone in the back and just screw around and I don't really want to be here. And, and this is just a place where I'm forced to be and I don't really feel like I belong here. Listen, if you're saying that, that's legitimate. People feel that way. Maybe you think, man, I'm living between two homes, you know, my dad's house, my mom's house, and, and you know, I have some of my stuff there and some of my stuff there, and, and, and I, I don't love being two people in two different places. Or, you know, I have a big family, and it feels like I'm just, I've kind of just been forgotten about in this big family that I have. So even at home, even one place, I have not really felt like I belong. And you feel a sense of rejection. Sometimes that rejection comes from family. Sometimes it comes from friends. Here's another one. And sometimes we are the ones who have rejected others. You know, and we think and we look at our school experience and we look at our home experience and we say, well, you know, look at it. They're the problem. If only they were nicer to me or if only this was better, if only they did this differently. And we're so quick to point the finger at other people. And we forget that we are the ones in common in every place we live. Regardless if it's a little portion of your life you're living at school, a little portion of your life you're living at home, even if you're spread out between two homes or you're living in an apartment, none of that matters. The thing that's in common in all those places is you. You're the thing in common. And if you're looking around and you're like, man, I don't really know if I find a place that I belong. I don't really know if I, if I, you know, if I, if I really believe this is mine, if I, if I am a part of this. Well, maybe you have rejected others. And maybe you have not found the place where you've allowed yourself to feel safe in that place that you're living. You know, here's the last one. You know, sometimes we feel rejection from God. We think, God, if you loved us, if you really cared about us, you wouldn't let this happen. Like, this thing at school is just the worst, and the way these people treat me is terrible, and I go home, and I, I feel like I'm not even, you know, thought of, and, and I have so many brothers and sisters, and I live in two different places, and they're kind of doing their own families now, and, and where do I fit into all this? Well, if you say that to God, it's easy to think, well, God's just forgotten about me. You know, that's what the guys in Jeremiah were saying. You know, God, what happened? Why is this happening? Why did you leave us out here? Why did you forget about us? And God says, I haven't forgotten about you. I have a different, I want you to think differently. I want you to look at things differently. And that's a challenge God's giving us. But the truth is that sometimes we just don't know how anymore. We just don't know how. We don't know how to love where we are, and we don't know how to let God change our perspective on things. And that's what God's really saying. I want to change your perspective. I want you to think of things differently because here's the truth, and it's on your sheet. God changes stuff, and this is how. We're going to lay it out for you. This is so good because God doesn't look at things and say, oh, this is the way it's always going to be. If you are in junior high and you're thinking to yourself, man, the way life is is the way that it's always going to be, you are selling God short because God changes stuff. He likes changing things. He's okay with change. If you're thinking, I don't know where I belong, and I, don't really, and I don't know how to belong anywhere, and that's just how I feel, he wants to help change that. 
If you're thinking, I don't know, you know where, I know a lot of places that I spend my time, and I spend portions of my life everywhere, but I don't know any one place that's really mine. God can help change that. You know, he starts with this. Number one, he, he helps us change the way we think because he teaches us that we're actually blessed to be a blessing to others, that there's a purpose behind this. It's not just a random thing. Uh, we're actually blessed with the goal of blessing others. So wherever you live, where, whoever you're living with, whatever you're doing there, you're not there by accident. It's not a mistake that you're there. The people whose lockers are next to yours, that's not a mistake. The, the people you live with, maybe it is two homes because you bounce in between. Maybe, like my mom, you're spending a portion of your life at the doctors and that's become a home for you in some ways. You are not there by accident. You're not there by mistake. You're there with a purpose. And you're blessed to be a blessing. You're, you're there to be able to do good and do good things. It's not a mistake. You know, here's the second one. Jesus. And you might think this is great. Jesus is finally the answer to something. I've been trying to figure out the answer where I can use Jesus as the answer my entire life. And now here's your chance. Jesus is the answer. Because he gives us an example of how to live. He gives us an example of how to live even when things start to get difficult and when things are not easy. You know, I always talk about all the time, I want you guys, you know, to grow up. We have really great leaders in junior high. We have, I think we have really fun staff. We're going to be adding more staff next week. I think we have really great staff, really great leaders, really great people in junior high. But I don't want you guys to grow up and just be like those staff and just be like those leaders. I, I want staff and leaders who want you to grow up to be like Jesus. That's what the hope is. So that's why we look at Jesus every week. And we try and get an idea of how he did things. So when it comes to changing your perspective, he gives us the opportunity to see that. And this is what it looks like. Because either this is who you are or it isn't. So as we look at Jesus and we're trying to figure out how we should live, and this may sound kind of harsh, and if it is, I apologize for it, but it's not meant to sound harsh. Because here's the reality. We are going to come across situations where we're living in a place Maybe it's just for a little while. Maybe it's your school year. Maybe, you know, you're living in a place and you're bouncing between homes. Maybe it's a place that you're not that happy. Wherever that place is, you're going to have the opportunity to look at things two different ways. One, look at things like Jesus. Or two, look at things the way you've always been looking at things. Now, e either this is who you are or it's not. Either you're the person who says, when things are happening, I am going to look at how Jesus did things. And I'm going to try and do things like him. Or you're going to look and say, I'm just going to think the same old thing. I'm just going to be the same person I've always been, and I hope that things turn out differently. And if you tried that before, you know that they don't turn out differently. So here is a quick list of things that Jesus did that I think we're all going to learn from. This is a really good list. Here's number one. Relationships with people matter most. So if you're thinking, well, you know, how, how am I supposed to do this whole thing and the people that I'm living with, that relationship matters. This is what he said. If you... If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, which is talking about the Old Testament, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. So love your neighbor as yourself, what's he talking about? Who, who are these neighbors? You might immediately think, well, your neighbor, that's the person who like, lives by you, right? I mean, that you live there and it may be your next door neighbor, the people that live next door to you, but it's not. See, for you guys, you guys live in totally different places all the time. For some of you, your neighbor is the people whose lockers are next to you. You get lockers next to people for the entire year, and those relationships matter. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
you, you're sitting in a classroom, you get assigned seats. The people who are kind of in your little seating cluster or your row, the people you sit next to and see every day, maybe they're not your friends right now. Maybe you don't really know them that well, but they're your neighbors. What would it look like for you to see that those relationships matter? Now, yeah, obviously the people that live next door to you, you know, those relate. Yeah, that's true. Those are neighbors too. But think where you live. Who are the neighbors? Who are the people around, the relationships around where you live? That's number one. Number two, pray for your neighbor. You know, I, uh, I always find it difficult sometimes to pray for people. Um, you know, maybe it's easy to pray for friends, and that's great. And family, it's easier to pray for family. But sometimes it's hard to pray for, for you know, your enemies or you know, people who have, like, hurt you or been mean to you or bullied you. And listen, bullying is not, is not awesome. Bullying is terrible, and it happens, and it's painful, and I am not a fan of that at all. And what would it look like, though, if you were willing to pray for those people? I mean, and really think about it. When's the last time you sat, and you're like, maybe, and maybe they're not bullying you. Maybe you know they're bullying someone else. What would it look like to pray for that person? To say, I'm going to pray for my neighbors the way Jesus prayed for his neighbors. I'm going to care for people who are around me the way Jesus cared for people who were around him. And you made that part of who you were and part of what you did. Here's number three. Be kind and generous. Be kind and generous. That's not always easy. Sometimes being kind and generous takes time, and it takes a little bit of your time. Sometimes being kind and generous is really difficult because you don't have all the time in the world to give, and it would be quicker just to not, you know, oh, hey, did you, did you pay attention in class? Did you get the notes of what the homework is about? Because something... No, 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 I don't have the time. I gotta get to this. I gotta get to this practice. I gotta get to this thing. I'm on my phone. I'm doing something. I'm busy. And we do that all the time. That's easy to do. It's hard to make time for people sometimes. It's hard to be kind and be generous with what we have. Jesus says, if you do that, you're, you're making relationships with neighbors. You're making a big deal about people that matter. Now, here's uh, the next one: uh, be a good neighbor. You know, I think it's really easy to kind of be a lame neighbor. I think it's really easy not to care about people. I think it takes more work to care about people than it does not to. Jesus says, I want you to be a good neighbor to your family, to your friends, to people that maybe aren't your friends. I want you to be good neighbors to them. Those relationships, I want you to have good relationships with those people. I want you to care about those people. I want you to pray for them and think about them and help them. And, And that's not always easy. It's not always simple. But what would it look like if you just, if you did it? Not like talked about doing it or had a Bible study about doing it or had this big discussion, you know, this big multi-week. Like, what would it look like if we were, no, what if you just did this? What if you go to school this week and you did this instead of doing what you were doing? Would it change your perspective? You know, here's the very last one. Be joyful. And being joyful is not always easy, especially when sometimes things are tough. You know, praising God, saying, God, thank you for this, even when it's not easy, even when it's difficult. Last week we talked about perseverance. It's not easy to thank God and be joyful when tough things are happening in your life. But if you did, how would it make things look and feel differently? See, the more I look at this list, I realize that where you live is much more about you than the place. See, where where you live is much more about you than the place. See, because the places are going to change. You you are the one that's the consistent one. In all these places, you are the one that's there. So how you react and feel about these things, it doesn't have as much to do with the place. It has to do with you. 
So here's a question. Where are you present? You know, where are you present? Where are you present in life, in these places that you live? Not distracted, not kind of there, kind of not there. Like, where are you present in your life, in things or with people? Where are you present? And you might think, well, I don't really know where I'm present. Like, I'm just doing a lot of stuff, which maybe kind of cues into the next one. Are you present where you live or observing where you live? Are you present where you live or are you observing where you live? Are you where you are and you're really fully there? Not sitting there on your phone, not coming up with reasons why everything is terrible. Like if you're really present in relationships with people and knowing people, like you're not just watching life happen at school or at home, you're not just seeing it happen, but you're a part of something that's happening and you are present in it, you are there. You're, you're not just seeing and experiencing, but you're a part of what's happening. You know, to love where you live, you must be present where you live. To love where you live, you must be present where you live. You have to be. If you're not present where you live, if you're not fully there, well, how, how, are, how do you be present? Justin, that, that sounds like such a great idea. Like, that sounds total genius. Well, how do you be present, though? What, what should I do? Well, how do I move? Because I, I, some of these places that I live that I'm not present, like, I'm just surviving through school. Like, at home, like, I, I don't feel like home is really my home at all. And, and I'm just kind of making it work for now. And I haven't shared that with anybody. But, you know, that's the truth. And that's how I feel. So how, how do I become present where I live so I can love where I live? Well, I'm happy you asked. Because you just look a little up your paper and those examples that Jesus gave us. What would it be like to try those things, to love where we live? That if you don't, you're actually taking steps to think differently and be different and treat and pray and talk differently. You know, you have a really killer opportunity this week. You have the opportunity to really love where you live and to treat these places completely different than you did this past week. You know, Jason, the band's coming back up. And they're going to play a song to kind of get us ready and get us thinking. And we're going to have a time, a very quick, and this isn't one of those responses where it's like, oh, well, let me really think. This is one of those responses where, where you get to go back into life tomorrow and you can be different. You can think differently. You can pray for people differently. You can care for people differently. You can live life differently. You can love where you live differently. So, they're going to play a song, and I invite you guys to worship with us. And the prayer walls are open like they always are. But if you're thinking, man, I'm going back into a situation tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know how to love where I'm living. I, I, don't, I, can't, I don't know how, where to even begin. There's going to be leaders around like there always are. Grab one of us. We'd love to talk to you. Leave your Bibles where they are. Don't worry about them. And let's, let's pray together. I'm going to pray for you guys, and then we're going to worship together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for time together. Thank you for time hearing from you and learning something new about loving where we live. Let us have a blast. Let us try this week differently. We thank you. We pray all this in your name.